0: welcome back to sermon notes michael smith here alongside josh our producer and We have not a guest, but um, uh, somebody that's not usually with us on Sermon Notes this morning, Brian Pope, our Global Outreach Director. Brian, glad to have you. So good to be here. Thank you for having me. It's always a treat for us when you have the opportunity to teach, and um, I don't know if our listeners have ever noticed, no one at Fellowship has the job of teacher All of us have other jobs. I work in community, you work in global outreach, and yet um, we all uh, get the opportunity to teach from time to time. And so here we are headed into Memorial Day weekend, and uh, you're going to be sharing with us from the book of John. Before we jump into that, though, while we have an opportunity... Probably a lot of our listeners don't know a ton about how fellowship engages global outreach, kind of what we've got going on. Uh, Tell us some things that are going on right now that you're excited about in your area of ministry.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for asking that. Well, one thing that I'm really excited about uh, that people might not know, obviously just a few... A few months ago, we opened up the Bentonville campus, and so we've decided we're really going to decentralize global outreach into each of the campuses, and so officially starting July 1, there's going to be a new guy who's going to be over the Rogers campus, and we're so pumped with him. He's been doing global work for us uh, in Africa, and then we have Doug Raines will be uh, taking lead in the Bentonville campus, and so... I will just be able to focus on Fayetteville and so excited uh, about that. But in short, with Global Outreach, our mission statement is to reach the unreached near and far. So we specifically go out and, um, we want to reach unreached people groups and we want to see churches planted among those unreached people groups. So we raise up and train and try to equip and support people to go and do that. And honestly, some of the most difficult places in the world and we have some pretty incredible people. Better being launched out.
0: Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, it's exciting to see people we know, people we've done ministry with, people who've worshiped alongside us here in Fayetteville going to some of these difficult places. So um, one of the things we've been talking a lot about around here is this two-year training track. Tell us a little bit about how that's coming along.
1: Yeah, so we spent a lot of time uh, just talking with different agencies, people that train global workers, and we just kind of asked the question, hey, what could churches do better? Not just fellowship, but churches in general. What what could we do better before we send people to you? And it just kept on coming back uh, that they were just receiving people too soon. And so we started talking to a lot of people, started doing a lot of research and just figuring out what could we as a church do better that really prepares people to go overseas, and so we've developed a two-year training track, which develops three different areas uh, of a person: their their head, heart, and hands. And so, if somebody comes to us and, and feels like they're they want to go overseas, we we begin this track uh, with them, and, and the head is is really focused on uh, what are the things out of the Bible that they need uh, they need to know before they go. And so we just take them through the entire. Scripture, just di- different courses uh, on Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, the Gospels, the Epistles, uh, all those things. We want them to be equipped to know their Bible well. Uh, the hard aspect is is their per- personal relationship uh, with God. And what we've really found that we just love, a ministry that we think does a great job with that here at Fellowship is CR. So we want them to join a CR step study. And why we really landed on uh, going with CR is because – all of us, I think we just struggle and just getting into unhealthy cycles, which unfortunately can turn into unhealthy sin cycles. And CR just does a great job of teaching you. How do you recognize those? How do you get out of them? How do you start living in a healthy cycle with your life? And so we want everybody to go through a, a CR step study. And then finally is the hands part. And, uh, we want people to, to get experience working cross-culturally before we ever send them overseas. And personally, uh, that's probably my favorite part uh, down here in Fayetteville. We do a lot with the international students and just seeing, uh, seeing our people engage with people with different cultures, and just even even how you have spiritual conversations, how you share the gospel is is really different depending on what culture uh, somebody is from. And so we want to give them that experience uh,
0: at, to build those relationships before we'd ever send them overseas. Man, that sounds incredible. And you know what I'm thinking as you describe that is, if any of our listeners think I would like to get some Bible training, I would like to do a step study. I would like to learn how to share the gospel cross-culturally with international students. You don't have to be planning to go overseas to avail yourself to any of this. Exactly.
1: A matter of fact, and we're really clear on this is that joining our our two-year track is not about the end goal is not necessarily about getting you overseas. It is how do you, how do we equip you for ministry no matter what the ministry is. And so we believe I'm a, firm, firm believer in the priesthood of the believer that like, that God has, uh, has gifted us for a specific ministry that he wants us to do. And so the track just kind of helps you like, what are you geared for? And, and we think that a lot of people are going to go through it and go, man, I'm not called to go overseas, but man, this has really equipped me to do ministry here. And man, we consider
0: that a win. Man, that's great. So if you're hearing that and in- the Holy Spirit's giving you the old spiritual elbow in the ribs that maybe that's something you need to look into. I'm sure Brian would love to to follow up with you about that and talk with you about that. Oh, absolutely. So here we are, sermon notes. We took a little excursus there to talk about some other opportunities. Uh, We're going to be in John 6 this week. It's a familiar passage. We talked about it already once in this series when we talked about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Um, Brian, set us up a little bit for this passage. Where are we in the ministry of Jesus? What's happening that, that sets us up for John chapter 6?
1: Yeah, well, this follows a real similar pattern of what Garland talked about last week with the healing at Bethesda. hope I said that right. Uh, my, my Greek uh, translation or uh, ancient words is not always on par. That's how I say it, but that doesn't make it right. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> so we'll just call it that. But w- what Garland really pointed out... Uh, which was really interesting is how, you know, you have this miraculous healing, but John points out that it happened on the Sabbath. And so he asked the question, like, why in the world would he throw that detail in there? And and so I believe that John does the same thing here uh, in the feeding of the 5,000 that that he points out in verse 4 that the Passover feast uh, was at hand. And so why in the world would he throw that in there? And so, we are going to talk about that this is the one miracle besides the resurrection that is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. It's the only one um, of the miracles that all four of the Gospels write about. And what's really cool is as, as you kind of dig in, is and and I think it's great to look at the other three accounts, is it seems like the target audience and the tone uh, of the feeding of the 5,000 is completely different in those three than it is here. Almost like John wants to take us in a totally different direction. And so if you look at the first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, I believe that Jesus is really trying to focus on the disciples. And he asks a question that is not mentioned in John's account. And the question is this, that obviously they see the crowds, they see a lot of the people, and they're kind of telling Jesus like, hey, maybe we should send them away. The people are probably getting hungry. And Jesus turns to him and says, you give them something to eat. And I believe that's happening, in, and in two of the accounts, I believe it's uh, Mark and Luke, the setting is right before this is when Jesus sends out the 12 for the very first time, like equips them to go do ministry. They go out, they come back super excited, and then there's this crowd. You know, Almost the next story is there's this crowd, and the, the disciples are saying, hey, we need to send them away, and Jesus says, no, you give them something to eat. And so I think Jesus is trying to, to put in them, hey, I'm equipping you for ministry. Hey, when you see a need, like you are the ones uh, that need to meet that need. And so what happens in the in John is he doesn't ask that question. Uh, he kind of sets the stage. And, and so I believe first three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke is kind of a, this discipleship message that Jesus is trying to like prepare his disciples hey I'm equipping you to do ministry this one there's a very strong very strong gospel message uh, that he's setting up and I, and I believe he's, he's he's trying to put together the pieces of the Old Testament and how Jesus himself is going to fulfill that and so what we see in, in verses like 1 through 15 is kind of the story of the feeding of the 5000 and then uh then it kind of takes this break, and and Jesus does another miracle, walks on water. Michael, I think you're going to be teaching about that next yeah, week. Yeah, can't wait. Just a little little setup there. But then we come back to the story, and I always like this, it just being a Bible teacher, is that Jesus gives the explanation. So I don't have to sit there and go, man, what is the meaning of the story? What was happening with the feeding of the 5,000? Jesus actually comes back, and he explains uh, to the people, uh, what it was about and what it means. And it's pretty interesting. If you look at the structure, uh, when that happens, when, when Jesus talks about, and you mentioned it kind of in the opening, you know, when he, when he kind of drops the the great words that I am the bread of life is that at first, it, he's teaching to the whole group of people that have gathered around him to explain it, and so if you can just picture it as a big funnel, is he, he's he's talking to this huge audience, and then the conversation focuses more just kind of on the Jews, and you see some clues in there because he talks about, hey, you remember from our stories, you know, the manna uh, from Exodus, and he he points a lot back to the Exodus story, and also ultimately that's where the Passover uh, also came from. So it goes from this huge audience teaching to the whole crowd, specifically to the Jews, and it ends up with a pretty sobering uh, conversation with the disciples. And, and so that's kind of the structure that it follows. But it also, there's there's this compare and contrast of, of two opposite things that Jesus is wrestling with uh, in in the passage, and, it, and it just kind of it's kind of neat to see what are the people focused on. And what is Jesus focusing on? And kind of their mind is they're focused on the temporal. Like, hey, we want you to take care of us today. Jesus, we're following you. And it kind of even mentions in the text that, man, they want to make him king. Why? Because he filled their belly full of food. And Jesus is trying to say, Now, there's something more important going on here. He's talking about an eternal message. So there's this compare and contrast. They're temporal. He's eternal. Also, they're talking about uh, another compare and contrast is like work. Hey, what do we need to do to do the works of God? Like it's this works message. Okay, what is the work we need to do? What is the work we need to do? And he's talking about belief. Man, you just need to believe. The relationship with God is not something that you work for, you believe, you accept what Christ has done for you. Uh, and then just the last one that I think is a compare and contrast is he says, man, you know, don't focus on the things that are going to spoil. And he specifically points out uh, back in Exodus when when God would bring them the manna each day and they'd go up and they'd gather the bread. Well, that that bread was good for that day. Then it would spoil. He's talking about a bread that lasts forever. And and so something that spoils compared to something that lasts forever. So Jesus is trying to hammer home a couple of things. One is believe, and the other
0: is focus on the eternal things. And it's such a rich passage. There's so much in there. We can study these miracles over and over, and there's just more to learn every time. So I know um, as you're preparing your message, there's always something that you think, man, I would love to include this, but... I'm already going to be pushing my 30 minutes. So one of the things we like to do on this podcast is let people in on that. What's what's something that's not going to make it into the sermon, but man, you you'd like to share it.
1: Man, there's so there's so much. One is and some of this might come out in the sermon, but one of it is is, is you see in all four passages just this emphasis on there's so many people and we have such few resources to reach them. And just trusting in God that, that we bring to him just even the meager things that we have, and he's the one who's going to multiply it. Uh, matter of fact, this past week I had this great meeting uh, with a lady here in Fayetteville that her and her husband really felt called um, to minister to the homeless and, and part of the, the ministry that they're trying to do is is how do we teach them how to have jobs and receive a salary uh, of she calls it a salary of dignity you know how, how could they teach them to, to work and receive a, a salary and they literally had no resources and she said her and her husband didn't know what to do felt like God was calling them to do this and so they went out themselves and did yard work got paid a hundred dollars. And God has just multiplied. That's what they started the ministry with. And God has just multiplied that and multiplied it. And now they're taking care of 100 homeless people kind of doing the same thing. And so it's just that it's so emphasized in the story of like, man, God, this is all we have. It's just a few things. What God's saying, hey, bring that to me, and I'm going to be the one uh, to multiply it. Something else that I just love about the passage that I know that we won't get to, and, um, it, you know, I was, I was mentioning earlier of, of these conversations where, where Jesus talks um, to the entire crowd, and he's just trying to get, like, I am the bread of life. Just believe. I am the bread of life. Uh, believe. Then he kind of focuses on the Jews, and at the very end, he focuses on the, the disciples. And you see here Jesus, his teaching becomes very difficult and he's talking about eating of his flesh and that type of thing, and um, the people are really challenged by it. And matter of fact, in John six six six, uh, which I always thought, you know, we always look at that number as this negative number. Yeah, uh, but but it is kind of this uh, this thing uh, that happens. It says, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. And we always think about, when we think about the disciples, we always immediately go to the 12, um, but we need to realize in Jesus' life, there those people that, other people that began to follow him. That's really what a disciple is, is somebody that, that begins to follow, uh, like a master or a teacher. And so there was these, these other people that jumped in um, and began to follow. But when Jesus' teaching became difficult, many of them just walked away. And uh a matter of fact, it was his 12 that really stuck with him. And, and he even asks, and he says, hey, do y'all want to go away as well? And, and Simon Peter answered him and says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And I think there's multiple leadership things here. And one is is Jesus, those 12 needed to grasp it he was really concerned about the 12 needing to grasp it and i think a lot of times even even working at a church we get caught up in the numbers in, instead of the depth and we need to really focus on the depth and really make sure man we are not going to lower the bar in the teaching we are not going to and jesus you never see him lowering the bar you never see you don't see jesus concerned when people are walking away because the teaching is so difficult jesus wants to make sure they understand the message, And so I just think that's so important for all of us. Um, we're not called to give a watered-down message. We're not called uh, to keep people in the room. We are called um, to preach the word and, and what's in there. And so you see this, that Jesus is not concerned, that when people walk away, he's concerned. Do they
0: understand the message? Yeah, and what a message it is that he is the bread of life, that he offers eternal life. I love what you said at the beginning that There's just such a strong gospel message in the way John presents this. And we know, we've gone back to this over and over from John chapter 20, that he records these seven signs in order that we might believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing in Him, we could have eternal life. Absolutely.
1: Matter of fact, little fact that I
0: like to throw out in there uh,
1: that just hits on that, over a hundred times it says believe in the gospel of John, and that's more than half than the rest of the New Testament put together. Yeah.
0: He he definitely wrote this gospel with a single goal, which was for people to come to saving faith in Jesus. Amen. Well, Brian, thanks for being with us. Thanks for all the work you do to... Help us have a presence in the global scene and um, to see the gospel go out from right here in Fayetteville to the world, and we'll continue to pray for that. I want to encourage our listeners, um, man, if you you do feel moved by the Spirit as you hear this, um, to follow up, we'd love to help you be involved in what the Lord is doing near and far um, to get this message out um, that Jesus is Israel's Messiah and the world's true King and that by knowing Him, you can have eternal life. And I'm looking forward to next week when we're going to talk about Jesus walking on the water. So we'll see you then on Sermon Notes. Thank you.